0: Welcome to McKinsey on Startups, a series focused on helping entrepreneurs and investors accelerate growth, brought to you by Fuel, the firm's startup practice. Each episode, McKinsey editor Daniel Eisenberg speaks with founders, investors, and industry experts to share the latest perspectives across borders and sectors.
1: Hello and welcome to McKinsey on Startups. I'm Daniel Eisenberg. It's no secret that e-commerce has exploded in recent years. In particular, the pandemic has fueled a massive boom in the food delivery sector, as we explored in an earlier episode at the start of this year. But it isn't just the sheer volume of orders or even options available to choose from that is growing at an increasingly fast pace. The speed with which deliveries of groceries or any number of household products can arrive at your door has really taken off over the last couple of years, going from previous delivery times of an hour or 30 minutes to the new promise of 10 or 15 minutes. The speed at which venture capitalists and investors are racing to stake a claim in this dynamic part of the packaged goods and grocery sector is also quite something, as they pour funds into an expanding roster of startups, including Getir, Joker, Gorillas, GoPuff, Flink, and Fridge No More. Though many of these so-called quick or Q-commerce ventures were actually launched prior to the pandemic, they've really started to hit their stride more recently, as they expand from their home markets to points across Europe, Asia, and most recently the U.S., Joining us today is the top executive at one of the leading startups in this space, Berka Yagcha of Getir. Based in Istanbul, Turkey, Getir offers more than 2,000 everyday items across Turkey, the UK, France, Germany, the Netherlands, Italy, Spain, Portugal, and the US. It was founded back in 2015 by the company's CEO, Nazım Salur, along with Serkan Baranchula and Tungay Tutek. To this point, Getir has raised around a billion dollars in several rounds and was most recently valued at $7.5 billion. Berker served as its chief expansion officer and now oversees all operations in Europe as the company's regional manager there. Welcome to the podcast, Berker. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Tell us briefly about Getir and also your own journey as an entrepreneur within Getir.
0: Getir is the pioneer of the ultra fast delivery in groceries. We started seven years ago around a very simple and strong idea. How can we provide ultimate convenience to our customers in one of the largest industries in the world, right? And serving the customer in the best way. The company actually developed the model and perfected it over years. We started in Istanbul, in Turkey, and last year started our international expansion. Today, we're in nine countries, including US, UK, Germany, France, delivering hundreds of thousands of orders every day. I joined Getir two years ago uh, I led the Turkish expansion first most recently led the European expansion and now uh, managing the business in Europe.
1: So you are sort of overseeing the entire internationalization as it uh, expanded beyond Istanbul and Turkey. Let's talk a little bit about the background, the context of the retail industry, the groceries in Turkey before Getir came on to the stage. What were the pain points and how is Getir seeking to reinvent that customer experience?
0: It wasn't very different from anywhere else in the world. You have the traditional retail and online shop stores, grocery stores, but particularly about e grocery and delivery, no one had cracked the ideal model to serve the customers. It's a very difficult industry to ensure margins, but also customer quality and service quality. Basically, it was seven years ago, before the pandemic, before COVID. This was the time when same day delivery was a luxury in broader retail beyond grocery. And in grocery, you had models which were experimented like pickup model from existing stores uh, using the existing infrastructure. The differentiator here, as I mentioned before, is putting customer in the center and actually writing everything else accordingly. So what is the ultimate convenience here? There are two elements of that. One, delivery ideally you would get things faster than slower you have a moment of purchase and the most magical experience would to appear in your door just that second and 10 minutes grocery delivery is what we do 10 minutes is almost now that's as much as you can get close to like ultimate experience of speed and the second element is basically substitutes especially back in turkey but also in all models around the world in grocery The challenge has been, you order something, you need 10 things, for example, you have pasta, you have your drinks, you have this and that. You end up receiving goods that is a different flavor. They don't have almond, but they have soy milk. They have a different flavor of something that you needed. You don't have that in offline, right? So these were the two main pain points that the company addressed. And also delivery fees. You want to create that experience. What is the cost to the customer? What we did was really finding the best setup, it's end-to-end, really the dark store model allows you to own the inventory, have control over everything that you're providing the customer and doing it in a cost-efficient way, so also solving that high cost of delivery challenge.
1: Right. And just to clarify, when you talk about the dark store model, the groceries aren't coming from an existing retail store where people are actually shopping in real time and then you also have people filling online orders you're talking about dark store sort of like a warehouse how would you define that
0: dark star is not a great term indeed we call them g stores so when you order or when you want to have something i need for to be efficient i need to be as close to you as possible so we have stores that are hyper local in your neighborhood that we actually stock up our inventory based on the needs that the consumers have in that neighborhood. So a store would be, as you mentioned, like a mini warehouse within your neighborhood, which is optimized with data and all the infrastructure and tech designed around serving you in the best way. It's just dedicated to delivery. And when you open your app, and you see goods that you can shop, those basically reflect what you have in your neighborhood there, like ready to be served to you. This allows you to really take inefficiencies out of the system and really optimize everything around to minimize food waste, improve the customer experience and service levels and optimize cost, which creates the magic.
1: Right. So you get the logistics and the other benefits of a warehouse model, but you're not far away in a warehouse district where it would be impossible to meet the time demands.
0: Yeah, we call it the second generation of retail transformation. We started with grocery, but we go beyond it today. And I think the future will be beyond groceries. Instead of putting large warehouses outside of the city and trying to solve that last mile challenge from every perspective, It's really in line with hyper-localization and sustainable city by being close to the customers, really solving a lot of challenges of the logistics and end-to-end retail.
1: When Getir was first introduced in Istanbul and Turkey, how did the investor community look at the proposition?
0: There was skepticism. If you go back seven years ago, and if you think about, okay, I'll deliver you your groceries in 10 minutes, people would say, first, uh, I don't know if you need that fast. And more importantly, I don't know if you can do it. So that was the reaction from the master community. But more importantly, Gitier actually went against the norms of the time, sharing economy and marketplaces at its peak, almost. Here you have entrepreneurs talking about a full integrated model where you actually open stores dedicated to the service and actually own the inventory and own the delivery. You'll have stock. And you will have delivery personnel, your riders, your couriers on your payroll, not like going with platform. So that was quite revolutionary back in the day. And I believe people looked for more lighter capital solutions. So it was met with a lot of skepticism and there needed to be a few years for the company to prove that this model actually unlocks a lot of efficiency and a lot of customer satisfaction. And times change in the sense that you have younger people coming into their professional life where need for ultimate speed and convenience really becomes more and more relevant. Uh, And also with COVID, the speed of that change have really accelerated, while rise of on-demand and convenience expectation really increased.
1: That's interesting that you mentioned sort of the demographics. And I guess I do wonder, do you think there is a generational push there for the whole model of hyper-fast delivery or quick commerce? Because I could see some customers might have shared that initial skepticism that you mentioned about do consumers really need things this fast? Do you think that there is more appetite for that among younger folks?
0: Well, if you take a step back and think, well, do people really need things in 10 minutes? I would look at that question in different ways. First, everything being equal, running an errand, we call groceries errand, right? If you would did easier and faster versus slower and more difficult, which one would you prefer?
1: It's a good way to put it, yeah. <laughs>
0: this is true for everyone. If you have it like immediate and inerrant, more convenient way, everyone would want it. But obviously it has value and that is different for different demographics and different group of people for sure there is a demographic shift if you're a child that grew up with ipads and like everything being on your fingertips you won't wait for hours or days for your groceries for sure but even in future i think your shoes or clothing or electronics to arrive next day or in a week that you don't know where they are meanwhile there is definitely a hunger for immediate service delivery and Also, there's a very psychological element of that, like moment of purchase and gratification being really instant. Yet, there is also another question, if the customers need 10 minutes or not. Well, some customers, yes. Some customers don't and won't. But there is an also important element that if you're able to serve in 10 minutes, groceries, which is very short shelf life and low margin industry... If you're designing everything, your physical infrastructure, your technology, your data and your team and mindset culture, the way you operate around that ultimate experience gives a lot of power to the company that you can actually deliver everything anywhere at the pace and at the value and cost optimization that any customer wants. So independent from if everyone in future will want 10 minutes or not which i believe a lot of people will do we already see the signals of that ability to serve that opens up a lot of possibility for additional efficiencies or productivity in other areas and other demographics and other service levels
1: traditionally grocery business can be very low margin and so what we've heard about the hyperfast delivery Q-commerce model is that cracking the code on unit economics is the most meaningful challenge and really the key to success. You really need to get it right on a micro level, starting in one neighborhood before moving to the next. I'm wondering if that is something that Getir was thinking about as it has grown and sort of balancing the growth and profitability imperatives as part of that.
0: It's a difficult industry to execute. And there are thousands of details that you need to make it right at the same time to make it work. Once you start going at scale, you realize there are different challenges, but different opportunities also. It's a low margin industry. Yes. And if you put a delivery on top of it, of an existing unit economic structure or cost base, then it becomes even more challenging. And I believe early models of grocery delivery couldn't really thrive because of that in a way. What we do is rethink the whole industry, right? You don't have existing supermarkets. You don't have existing large square meters or square feet of areas like in high street with foot traffic. You don't have the same first mile distribution, the logistics infrastructure. You have end-to-end a system that's optimized with technology and data. And that optimization is the core of it. Like You cannot really execute this business just by being good in operations or logistics having the technology and data infrastructure and backbone at the center is crucial there and i think it's really important to understand it's very also inspiring for other industries probably how you actually go back and rethink like the basic assumptions of the industry yes delivery adds up a cost to optimize and manage but The whole model actually gives you a lot of redundancies because of the frictions or issues in an existing retail grocery business with waste, with forecasting inaccuracies on how you actually plan and serve your products, how do you create your assortment. We really focus on everyday needs and what the most important goods that the consumers really rely on in a high-frequency way.
1: Yeah, it sounds like personalization would be key you guys are doing in terms of using the data.
0: There's a lot that you unlock. If you have a infrastructure that is tailored around data and consumer demand, then it's not just delivering groceries in X minutes. It's a different way of producers, local producers, plus FMCG companies or big brands. How do you reach your consumer? right? How do you actually activate or market your products who do you target think about how did we change the entertainment industry how do you go to like a movie theater versus just have a streaming service how much change that brought to the industry right Um, or the information like us reading newspapers versus consuming information online and advertising industry around that data coming into the core of those major industries and creating new ways of serving customer around that really opens up a lot of new opportunities.
1: You mentioned going a little away from that marketplace platform model. I'm wondering about operational challenges that you guys might've experienced in the early days.
0: This is a people business. It's something that doesn't change is how we actually treat people and how we want to succeed and become a major force in this industry. By being good people. That's also a lot in the center of what we do at Gitier and how we define our culture. And that actually really reflects on how do we approach operations and putting our workforce and couriers and delivery uh, personnel very much at the center of it. It's also putting the safety of our couriers and really investing in training and quality, which has a lot of relevance with consumers. And it also unlocks a lot of efficiency when people actually own their business and their work there.
1: Right. So it sounds like it's sort of going away from the traditional gig economy approach and you take a longer term view of their role within the company. Is that fair?
0: That's fair to say. We really designed the whole delivery experience and how do we actually set up our supply there around putting people in the center, for sure. When we open a store, for example, the first thing that we do, even before the design of the inner area, is to create a space for our riders and couriers to relax and take their breaks while they're not delivering. So that's one signal, for example. The other one is that we provide all the ultimate standards on safety on our fleet and protective equipment. We believe starting from there and building the model around it has a lot of value around like longer term engagement with our workforce and members of the team. And really them to be with us as part of their main source of income and profession. Of course, some people seek more flexibility and we welcome different setups. But the idea is around, first, can we ensure the safety of our riders and couriers, uh, and second, their well-being, and then design the rest around it.
1: I know safety is a critical issue. It's something we see here in New York a lot with delivery folks. Let's move to talk a little bit about the internationalization success you guys have had moving beyond Turkey into Europe. I know you're also moving into parts of the U.S. as well. This is a topic of critical importance to so many entrepreneurs and something that is often a major challenge as they try to move beyond their home market. What point in the Get Your Journey did the company begin to consider international expansion and what were the specific triggers that sort of fueled that decision?
0: The idea was to go global from the first day. The whole infrastructure and the business model was experimented and perfected over time with the objective of going global and establishing this business and pioneering this model globally. So for us, in that sense, that was the vision and dream from the first day. It was a bit different from a journey of some other startups. We have a different mindset in the sense that we want to disrupt this industry and we believe there's a better way to do it. And so why not do it globally? And why not actually start with the biggest potential and where the ultimate customer experience and customer expectation would be? which is europe and us as developed markets and so that's where our internationalization journey started our first market outside of turkey was uk beginning of last year and then came other markets including us with chicago and new york and boston in last couple months there has been inflection points obviously with the investment cycles and having the resources to actually do it in a good way Because you don't want to do it prematurely or in both ways, one having the resources, the other one is actually learning about the business itself and actually finding that product market fit and consumer. How do you actually serve consumer demand and expectations in a profitable way? Uh, So the company took some time before going global, but once we started, it was really a very fast journey. That We are now in nine countries within just a year for an industry and operation. As this, there's been quite a bit of hyper growth and hyper fast expansion journey.
1: Right, right. So let's say you're moving to the UK. That seemed just sort of natural.
0: UK was the first market. And within this context I mentioned, obviously, there are things like how much consumers are already inclined to do online grocery. What are the alternatives? Uh, we're creating ultimate experience in groceries, but what are the current solutions people are and especially early adopters meeting their demand through which services, what is the level of service provided. So if you put that all together, UK has been a very natural choice to begin with and has gone quite successful, which encouraged us to accelerate and move very fast in other markets.
1: And when you go into these new geographies, these new international markets, how much competition have you faced from existing players whether traditional retail, groceries, or e-delivery players.
0: From a certain angle, it looks like a hyper-competitive industry right now, especially in the last two years. A lot of new players popped up around the world following the Get Business Model. I believe it's more of a transformation journey, and it's not just about the competition or competitive landscape, but more about like consumer transformation. I believe it's more like founding story of a new industry and it's very early stages of it. And for us, it's mostly about finding the nuances of product market fit, what consumers expect from ultra fast delivery in each country. Because retail and food by nature is very much local and national boundaries, the brands that you consume, your consumption habits you have are different. So what we do is very much invest in local capabilities and local organization, keep our Scalable solutions and bringing our learning and DNA from our foundation and core market to global markets, but really, in a way, reinvent ourselves by recreating get here in every market again and again.
1: Is maintaining quality standards as you get bigger across different geographies? Is that a challenge as the company gets that much bigger and moves into all these different markets?
0: Going from a few hundred orders a day to thousands or hundred thousands has been the biggest challenge. So the tools that we developed there, then you can actually use the learnings you have in different geographies because you've been through a lot of those challenges already in different ways. Globalization hasn't challenged us that much because scale up has challenged us and we learned a lot. Starting early in this industry gives that experience and competitive advantage quite a bit.
1: I think Getir is one of the first, you know, technology startups out of Turkey to expand internationally at this kind of pace and scale. Have there been any challenges in that? I think some people, probably a lot of people don't even know Getir is a Turkish company and is that good to just be viewed as you know, a new player that no one necessarily knows even where you're from?
0: If you want to be a global company, it doesn't really matter where you come from, right? And it's very much appreciated now in all the globally in, in investor community or entrepreneurial community that innovation can come from anywhere. I believe this is very relevant to every type of diversity discussion we could have It's not just about geography, but also like different types of agenda or background discussions that we could have in entrepreneurship and investment. And innovation can come from anywhere, right? It's really a democratic process. And of course, there are enablers or barriers that you face coming through a certain culture or access to capital can be more difficult in certain markets. The most important thing is like your vision and your belief in the business that you're doing and working hard to actually succeed in that. And so far it has been a great journey. We hope to keep going and continue to write that story.
1: You mentioned sustainability earlier. I'm wondering how important considerations and carbon footprint are for a player, a company like Gettier and how you approach that question. Do you think about roles for zero emission delivery vehicles or autonomous robots down the line? I think we talked about how you have the very local model. Um, Obviously, you still need to get the goods to those stores that are in the neighborhood.
0: It's very central to what we do and how we do things. And it's at two different levels, right? There are tactical things you have to do and you should do. Like we use electric bikes and electric scooters, e-bikes and e-scooters for our delivery in Europe and US. On the logistics, like on the warehousing are really critical. Beyond that, most important thing about this business and how we actually approach it is the opportunities that creates for further opportunities and sustainability for circular economy because it's a new way of bringing goods to the consumers and instead of shopping out of fear that you will run out of something at home having access and convenience optimized through data and technology really allows you to minimize the food waste and really rethink how do you actually need to stick up your fridge and your kitchen, but also in the local supermarket, in the warehouse that serves to that supermarket. So instead of a supply driven industry, it becomes like instead of the push, it becomes like a pull and really optimized around that last moment of consumption. That's a major potential to really rethink on how our food value chains and supply chains are organized. The last mile is very visible the delivery moment and of course there is a future for autonomous delivery vehicles how far is that future yet to be seen the value chain that's quite invisible to most of us in daily life is a major part of it and second use of space within the city centers right How if you optimize your use of space within city centers, that also has a power to change the way that neighborhood and that use of space is organized. Uh, That opens up enough, again, secondary and tertiary advantages beyond what is obvious. We are already considering and working on those impacts, also broader sustainability agenda.
1: That's great. Just a couple of sort of broad, forward-looking questions. Given the scale of the expansion, that's underway and that you're driving. What keeps you up at night with respect to Getir's journey and also day-to-day execution?
0: Well, one is typical of any hyper-growth players that are going, I guess, a multi-geography and global, which is our people and culture. How do we actually stay true to our founding story and the, the initial vision, and how do we actually recreate that across our offices around the world? And how to use your learnings and keep standards across the world while actually keeping it agile. So that's the culture and bringing the best talent into the company is definitely what is the most important thing in day to day. It's the most important thing to enable everything else.
1: How do you see that playing out over the next five to 10 years in the ultra fast grocery industry in general?
0: Well, for us, the most important thing is lead the industry towards its true potential we already do food delivery and multiple businesses in turkey where we initially started beyond groceries there'll be for sure a convergence with different models and retail and food and we will be at the forefront of that transformation and As ultra-fast grocery becomes more and more mainstream and captures a major share within total consumption in our current markets, but also beyond current markets globally, that's one of the focus we have. How do we actually bring the same logic and innovation and spirit into other services and other industries beyond groceries?
1: I think already you guys offer a much broader range than just grocery. So it's sort of how far can you... You go along that continuum of products.
0: And that's what the consumer demand and patterns will define with the demographic shift and us and other players becoming better and better and using data and technology, what that enables for us and how far the boundaries of the on-demand economy and ultra-fast will go, that's what we're looking forward to explore.
1: It's been great to hear about GetTier and its incredible growth. And it'll be fascinating to keep watching as GetTier continues to grow and as you continue to grow within GetTier. So, thanks a lot for joining us today. Thank you, Daniel. That's the end of our pod for today. Thanks again to Berker Yagcha of GetTier for speaking with us. A big thanks also to our McKinsey on Startups production team Molly Carlin, Polly Noah, Sid Romtree, Myron Shergan, and Katie Znamorowski. And finally, thank you for listening. We hope you'll join us again for McKinsey on Startups.
0: This has been McKinsey on Startups, hosted by Daniel Eisenberg. We welcome your feedback, so please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Hope you join us next time for more broad, global perspectives on the challenges and opportunities for accelerating
1: growth. Thanks for listening.